You're listening to the Podmania Pro Wrestling Podcast. Just a sample of the best pro wrestling podcasts we could produce on our tiny budget. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, at Podmania, YouTube and Instagram, at The Real Podmania. If it's wrestling you want, check out more of our great content at www.podmania.weebly.com. Let's do this. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the Podmania Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Goodwin, and I am joined, as always, by Garth Jackson. Welcome back, my friend. How were your fatherly duties last week? Uh, good. I'm um, suitably worn out, <laughs> um, ran ragged, and yeah, yeah. looking forward to catching up on all the wrestling. Of course, of course. As we, you know, as we both know, it's been a huge weekend of wrestling this week with the All In show that has, by all accounts, been a massive, massive success. We're not going to talk about it in a lot of detail because myself, you, and Chris are going to do uh, a review later on in the week. But overall, I'm part way through. I know you're a lot further on than me um, at the moment. How are you feeling about it at the moment? Really enjoying it. Really enjoying it. It's. it's- it's a really good mix of um, obviously all the current stars. You've got past people, a lot of nostalgia trip, a lot of homages. It's just a really good, fun show. Yeah. I was a bit... I've still got the, well, got the biggest matches to watch as well. <laughs> I must admit, I was slightly cautious when I found out that the main event was the six-man tag. Yeah. Um, when you got um, Okada versus Marty Skrull, and you've got Omega versus Penta. I was a little bit concerned. I was like, mm, okay, you know, loads of people on Twitter and Facebook saying, if the WWE had done this, well, the WWE <laughs> haven't done that, so nah. sit down. Um, but by all accounts, it sounds like it was a really good match. I'm looking forward to doing it. I'm looking forward to reviewing it, obviously, with you and Chris later on in the week. Um, however, um, there has been other wrestling, believe it or not, Garth. Um, yeah. Impact... Um, aired their TV special Redefined on Thursday. Um, and we had Ring of Honor episode 363 last night. Um, overall, Garth, um, what are we thinking about the two shows this week? I thought Impact was decent. I don't I don't see what made it any different from a regular show, mm. even though it was billed as a kind of sort of mini pay-per-view. Um but it was still decent. It was, it was some good matches, and the stories moved on. But Ring of Honor was quite, quite a drag this week. Yeah, um, I found this with Ring of Honor. You'll have some absolutely star-studded episodes um, that really move storylines on. That you have fantastic wrestling. I mean, we've talked about ones that include Chris Saban. Obviously, the one last week with the title change that me and Chris talked about. But this week, I I did struggle to get through this episode and especially with it only being 51 minutes it felt a lot longer yeah um as for impact i am agreeing with you i thought it was a good it was a good show storylines that needed to progress progressed um we'll talk about that in a little bit more detail um later on um there are a couple of things that i take issue with um the same gripe i have seemingly every week has uh, aroused its ugly head once more but We'll get on to that very shortly. We'll start with Ring of Honor, episode 363 uh, from Centre Stage in Atlanta. And we actually started 
with a title match. The Women of Honor title match with Madison Rain, uh, who won a Four Corners Survival number one contendership match uh, a couple of weeks ago, taking on the champion, Sumi Sakai. Now, two veterans of the ring. Uh, we had... Um, oh, who do we have on commentary? I haven't written it down. I can't remember. We had someone on commentary. Who did we have on commentary? It was... It's gone uh, completely out of my head. Yeah. <laughs> Mandy Leon? Yes. Yes, Mandy Yes. Oh, my God, what a mind blank. Um, we have Mandy <laughs> Leon on commentary, and I think we've had people on commentary on Ring of Honor before where they haven't really added much to the story, and... Though Mandy Leon did a decent job of building both Sakai and Madison Rain, um, she didn't really add too much. Though I thought it was interesting that she was part of the first, like, part of Women of Honor. And it surprised me, actually, how long Women of Honor had actually been a thing, considering that they've only just bought the Women of Honor title into the picture. Uh, It's... and... Um, I mean, that, she'd mentioned that she'd wrestled both of them. Yeah. Which, um, I mean, Sumi Sakai's been around for a long time. A very, very um, long time. So I would assume anyone who is sort of wrestling with her is wrestling at the top of the card. So, yeah. I mean, I have never seen um, Mandy Leon wrestle before. So it'd be interested to see what she does. Yeah. Um, as for the match itself... It was, I don't want to say clunky, because it wasn't. It was just quite slow. There were some big spots. Um, I'm not a massive fan of Sakai's Mongolian chops. <laughs> um, it was billed by Colt Cabana as this horrible, you know, just completely paralysing chop and it they barely seem to connect it was yeah, it was just something it was very contrived for me it's not like um the barbarian yeah and he used to do them exactly <laughs> um she did attempt a moonsault didn't hit it um rain hit a pretty good tornado ddt um but ultimately um sumi sakai would come out victoria she had a great fisherman buster which thought yeah. we looked really really good I thought um, that was going to be the end of the match. I did as well. Um, did you at any point think Madison Rain was going to take the belt here? Because when she hit the cutter out of nowhere, again, that was said as well, out of nowhere, because mm. apparently that's not <laughs> trademarked. Um, when she hit that, even when she hit that, and again, the commentary team did a fantastic job of selling, oh my God, that's that's got to be the end. For me, it was... and I, I never thought Madison Rain was going to win the title. No, nah. Especially when the way they were building up the fact that Sumi Sakai was the sort of first champion and that I don't think they were ever going to take it off her so quick. No. Because she adds that sort of legitimacy to it all. She does, yeah. Especially as she is, you know, she's got that legitimacy about her. Um, the final pinfall came when um, Sumi Sakai hit Smashmouth for the victory. Okay, match. I didn't feel like it was a championship match. Um, no, it just seemed like another week sort of TV match. It did. It, it felt for me very much like both were going through the motions. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, de- you know, decent enough match. Uh, Sumi Sakai retains. I can't see you dropping that title for a while, personally. No. Um, we then moved on to 
pardon me, a match between Shane Taylor and Josh the Goods Woods. This is an ongoing storyline between the two. Shane Taylor um, previously knocked Josh Woods clean out with his punch. Um, Josh is claiming that he's, you know, he's been a legitimate fighter for many, many years. He's been punched by the very best in the business and he's never once been knocked out. And there's no way that Shane Taylor will be able to knock him out, you know, unless he was employing, in inverted commas, dirty tactics. Shane Taylor <laughs> says, no, I'm not. I've just got a good punch. You know, let's settle it in the ring. And so it sets up this match. I quite like Josh uh, Josh Woods. Yeah, I enjoyed this match, actually. Yeah, it was a decent match. He looks like a legitimate badass. Yeah, definitely. Um, I thought it was really good how ta- um, Woods employs the MMA tactics, especially with those um, with those holds. Um, there was one where um, Shane Taylor was attempting to pick Woods up with a powerbomb and instead got locked <laughs> in a triangle hold. That was really good. Yeah. Um, you've got Woods locking in the um, armbar. Taylor very, very much relying on his power. You've got a lot of very, very savage forearms from Taylor. Yeah. There's a, one where he punches uh, Woods on the ear. Apron outside. Yeah, that looked like it legitimately knocked him down. <laughs> it did. Josh Woods should get should be highly commended for his selling in this match because he sells extremely well. Yeah. Um, for me, He's Shane Taylor well. reminds me of a far more mobile Mabel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, a lot more talented than Mabel was, and a lot more mobile. But I don't know why. I think it was this. I think it was one sell he did that just made me think, bloody hell, that's viscera. Um, but anyway, um, Josh Woods locks in the armbar, takes off the glove instead of going for the submission, which I thought was quite good, playing into the storyline. Yeah. Um, takes off the glove of Shane Taylor, proves that he had something in his glove. The glove was loaded, so there's no way he'd have knocked him out. The ref then says. Excellent. Well done. You've proved your point. I am now, however, going to have to call this match off because it's a foreign object. Woods, who clearly hadn't thought of this, sort of implored the referee, don't do it, please. I've got this. I've got this. To which he turned round into a 216 sit-out pile driver from Taylor, who then picked up the victory because Woods clearly hadn't got this. Um, interesting from the referee allowing the match to continue. <laughs> I thought it was a bit dumb because I just think at what point would any ref get to choose whether to call a match? No. With Ring of Honor especially, with the Code of Honor playing such, you know, yeah. a prominent role, you know, you've got the Code of Honor at the start of the match and, you know, all this stuff about rules and, you know, the unwritten code, shall we say. I was very surprised that the referee, without a lot of moaning from Woods. There wasn't a lot of moaning, decided to let the match continue. He didn't even have to count the pinfall, to be perfectly honest, but he still did. Um, I think Josh Woods just decided that he was going to do the typical face thing of wanting that convincing win over Taylor, which, unfortunately, was the wrong decision. It was a decent match, though. Yeah. I I did like the look of Woods. Yeah, Josh Woods has impressed me. Every time I've seen him, he impressed me. He was in a six-man tag a couple of weeks ago, and he impressed me. Um, yeah, yeah, one for the future, definitely. 
Uh, we cut backstage uh, to a promo with SoCal Uncensored. Every time SoCal Uncensored, whether it be Christopher Daniels, Frankie Kazarian, or Scorpio Sky, any time they are on television, I find them incredibly entertaining. Yeah. Um, Even when they're doing these sort of serious promos. Yeah. Yeah. They are, again, incredibly entertaining. Um, Christopher Daniels makes reference to the fact that he's now been hit by steel chairs twice, yet he's still standing there calling out the Briscoes, um, which I thought was nice. He hands over to Frankie Kazarian, who then calls out um, Mark Briscoe for a match next week. Uh, He says that Sandy Fork, Delaware, is the worst town he's ever been in, um, and he's going to beat the chicken man, Mark Briscoe, when they meet next week. I'm looking forward to that match. I think it's going to be an excellent match. Be interesting to see what the crowd are like. It'll be interesting to see what the crowd are like. It'll be interesting to see if we get an outright winner, which I don't think for a minute we will. No. Nah. Um, shenanigans. Yes, very much so. It has been announced now that at Death Before Dishonor, which is only four weeks away, we will be having SoCal Uncensored taking on the Briscoes for the Ring of Honor Tag Team Championships. Um just off the top of your head right now, split decision call, who's taking those belts at death before dishonor? I think the Briscoes will keep it. Do you know what? I was going to say so, Callan Censored, but I've talked myself out of it because <laughs> the entire storyline is so Callan Censored needing those belts to have leverage to keep their jobs. Yeah. And I think if they get them straight away, it's sort of, puts a stopper in that storyline, how good would it be if two or three days before their contracts short, they finally get the belts yeah. at the very and last the, minute? And they start getting desperate as well. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, we then moved on to a match from the Top Prospect Tournament with Charles Zanders, who cut the most wooden promo I've <laughs> ever seen in my life, taking on a character from Dragon Ball Z, Marcus Cross. He has got the most gravity-defying hair I've ever seen. It puts Sonadas to shame. Um, His promo, his picture-in-picture promo, was a lot more... um, had a lot more feeling behind it. Yeah, confident. Yeah, than Charles Zanders. But ending it with, yeah, yeah, was the most (laughs) cringy part of it. Not a lot to say about this match. Because partway through, we had Jeff Cobb storm to the ring. And Jesus Christ, another fantastic reception for yeah. Jeff Cobb, who didn't say a word and just absolutely destroyed both men. Really um, it was honestly, it was incredible. This man is just an absolute powerhouse. Um, he hits fallaway slams, tore around the islands. Um then the man that he attacked a couple of weeks ago, Eli Ison, comes out, lays into Cobb with forearms, who literally stands there and no-sells them, which is just brilliant. So good. Um, Cobb then responds with a tour of the island power slam for the victory. Uh, sorry, for the victory. Just to put a, put a punctuation mark on the end of his dominance. Um, I love Jeff Cobb. I yeah. really love Jeff Cobb. And I, hope, I hope they keep doing this for a little while. I just hope the top prospect tournament literally gets thrown out because they can't have it because Jeff Cobb keeps coming up and destroying people. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not going to happen, 
but can you just imagine Jeff Cobb and Bully Ray just taking over a show? Yeah. It would be fantastic. Um, Speaking of Bully Ray, we have the team of Bully Ray and Silas Young taking on the best friends, Beretta and Chucky T. Um, This match has a bit of history with Bully Ray obviously being the absolute twat that he is, um, (laughs) attacking people, attacking people that he says haven't paid their dues. Uh, Chucky T came to the rescue, basically said he wanted to fight Bully Ray on behalf of those people, people like Flip Gordon and Cheeseburger. Um, Bully Ray said he got no issue with Chucky T. They had a fight on a for all. He was destroying Chucky T. He also then destroyed Colt Cabana, but Trent Beretta came back to a massive cheer, having been out since last February um, to save Chucky T. The best friends were back. It was a heartwarming moment. And yeah, this match was set up as an answer for that. This match was nothing about the wrestling whatsoever. No, nothing was, at all. It was good. It was it was decent wrestling. It was just more so pushing the characters. Yeah, absolutely. Especially Bully Ray. Bully Ray is possibly, and I could be wrong, please let me know in the comments if I am wrong, which I'm sure everyone will, but Bully Ray is one of the most pure heels at the moment. Definitely. Because there's no trying to be cool. There's no trying to get a cheer doing the bad thing. He's literally attempting to be the biggest dickhead that he can be. You know, stopping on his entrance <laughs> to just abuse Colt Cabana and Caprice yeah. Coleman. And then Ian, so Rick- Ian Riccoboni's then like, yeah, but Colt Cabana's wrestled everywhere. Oh, and, and Caprice has as well. Yeah. Um, which he just he just absolutely destroyed all three men at ringside verbally. Um, the best thing about him is he... he- he makes it so that you can hear everything he's saying as well. Yeah. So, so because I mean, when he's shouting at Cabana, he's like shouting at the cameraman. Don't point the camera at him. Point it at me. I draw money. He doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> which is true. Which unfortunately is the way of the world at the moment. Mm. Um, we get into into the match. Um, Silas Young gets quickly overpowered by Beretta. So. You just hear the entire match, Bully Ray chastising Silas Young for having, you know, the lack of bollocks. He says, you've changed, man. Come on, get me in. So he eventually gets Bully Ray in. Bully Ray turns to him and says, this is how you do it. He then absolutely destroys the repaired um, arms of Beretta. Um, Just all the while shouting, how's your tricep? How's your tricep? How's your tricep, Beretta? And just it's, I just love it. It's brilliant. Um, why didn't Why didn't WWE let him run with that character for a bit? Because he would have been. Baffles me. He would have been the top heel easily. Because when Bully Ray comes back or Bubba Ray comes back to WWE, there is only one way they are going to have him back, and it's a nostalgia pop with Devon. Exactly. But I'm like, I'm like, imagine him versus AJ. Yeah. Imagine. Yeah. Imagine. The Bully Ray character taking on Cactus Jack. <laughs> yeah. That would have been absolutely insane. Imagine looking at Dean Ambrose now. He's come back. He's a completely different body shape. Imagine him in a no in a proper, proper street fight. Not a WWE attempt at a street fight. A proper, proper street fight against Bully Ray. Exactly. They'd they create magic to it. Him versus Kevin Owens. Yeah. The trash yeah. talk alone 
and it would and I've no doubt that he would put them over as well so yeah it would have just helped people I just it's crazy yeah. even so I mean even somebody like like a Miz or a Dolph Ziggler or someone that he could bully the shit out of but then them get like the sort of heroic victory yeah I would love would that just, angle but I would love that angle <laughs> they're never going to do it with Bubba Ray though they're never going to do it. It was, I believe it was rumoured to be happening. <clears throat> um, but I don't really know. I think it was around the time of um, sort of the Aces and Eights storyline. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure it was mentioned that Bully Ray, they were going to bring Bubba Ray back to do the Bully Ray character in WWE. Yeah. I'm not entirely sure if that's true, but I'm it sure I heard it. It would have worked so well because they don't really have any proper heels. <clears throat> They like attempt to. Hated yeah, heel. that's the difference. You've got heels in the WWE, but you have got heels mm. who, A, people don't care about, which are the worst type of heels, and B, heels that are trying too hard to be cool and to be cheered and to get over even though... I mean, look at Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch is never going to be a heel. She's absolutely beloved by the fans. No matter what, she could, kick, she could come to the ring and kick a dog and she would still get cheered because she's that over. The closest the WWE have got to an all-out pure heel is Tommaso Ciampa. Yeah. I mean, that man is a prick. But apparently backstage is an absolutely lovely bloke. Oh, yeah. So, (laughs) there you go. Uh, I mean, he'll never be able to carry that over. What, once he gets to the main roster? Yeah. It'll be a shame. It won't won't be the same. It won't be... He'll have a lot more explaining to do. It's a shame that they... Apparently, he's now having... um, He's now having entrance music. Really? Which is a shame, because I think the cavalcade of booze that greets him when he comes out is just so much better. Yeah. Or, if they're going to do him entrance music, just record the booze from one week and just play (laughs) that. Yeah. It's such a shame. Um, at this point, the best friends are absolutely dominating Silas Young again. Chucky T hits um, a full Canaro. Beretta hits a Tornado DDT. Um, Silas Young eventually gets to the corner where Bully Ray is. Bully Ray leaves. Yeah. Just drops <laughs> off the apron and leaves. He screams at Silas Young, tells him that he's got to learn a lesson. You're not the man you used to be. This is the only way you're going to lose. You um, learn your lesson. Silas Young attempts to shout back, and Bully Ray just goes, shut oh. up. But the, the way he says team, it just shuts yeah, Silas Young shut up straight away. Down. The commentary team are really sort of hammering home the fact that Bully Ray is an absolute arsehole. Yeah. Um, the best friends take advantage and hit the dude buster for the win. Um, best friends going into the tag team title picture without a shadow of a doubt now that Beretta's back Um, obviously this is going to go into a program between Silas Young and Bully Ray which I'm absolutely fine with Um, the only only issue I have is with uh, Ian Riccoboni's comment where he says that um, the, um, the best friends are going to be inserted into the most stacked tag team roster in the world. Now, (laughs) 
I don't necessarily agree. Um, but how many tag teams are there? Uh, well, there's the best friends, SoCal Uncensored slash The Addiction. Um, you've got The Kingdom. You've got The Young Bucks. Oh, yeah. yeah. You've got The Dogs. Yeah, I suppose you've got The Boys. I mean, you, you're going into jobber tag teams now. I'm yeah. sure there'll be one that I've missed. I've said the Briscoes, haven't I? Um, yeah. I'm sure there'll be one that I've missed, but, you know... For all its faults, I think WWE's tag team roster is slightly more stacked. <laughs> um, New Japan's... The problem with New Japan is they split their tag team division, which doesn't help. Um, but yeah, overall, I think the best way of describing this episode of Ring of Honor was slightly underwhelming. Yeah, serviceable. Um, yeah, it did a job. Um, we had another promo in the middle of all this for next week's main event, the 30-minute Iron Man match for the Ring of Honor Championship between Jay Lethal and Jonathan Grisham. That is going to be absolutely amazing. Um, I'm yeah. sure Chris will be very, very aroused because he loves Jonathan Grisham. <laughs> so any match involving Jonathan Grisham, I'm sure Chris will absolutely adore. I can't wait for that match. We've also got Frankie Kazarian taking on Mark Briscoe. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to next week. It's going to be a good. It's going to be a good show, I think. Hopefully, yeah, fingers definitely. crossed. Um, we move on to Impact, um, the redefined show. Build as almost a pay per view, more of a TV special from the 30th of August. Um, four matches in this show. Still an hour and a half. <laughs> um, two title matches, one title change. Um, I say four matches. Uh, I am fully aware that there were five. I refuse to count one of them. Um, but we'll delve straight in. Garth, thoughts? Um, I thought it was all right. Uh, barring the fucking smoke show bullshit. Um, which... Oh, yep. just, I think they need to realise that it's not good. We can only hope that... I mean, having seen footage... Because... Right. Cards on the table. Last week, um, I thought, do you know what? I need to see if Scarlett Bordeaux is actually a decent wrestler. And she is. She is fairly decent. Um, There's footage online of her hitting Trevor Lee with a Canadian Destroyer. Nice. So, do you know what? Just stop with this smoke show bullshit. Give her a different theme tune. Please, for the love of all that's holy and just stick her in the ring, because it yeah. looks like the woman can go. So, just stick her in the ring, stop with this bullshit, because it's making me not care about Grado and Joe Henry, Joe Hendry, and that makes me sad. It, uh, and it's... It's... This, obviously, they're going to build this Scarlet Bordeaux into a feud with someone at some point. I don't know if it's going to be Katarina or maybe, but just get her in the ring. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, however, we'll get to the smoke shit, um, and <laughs> we'll start with, unfortunately, with it being the first match, the high point of this show. It was an absolutely fantastic match. Really enjoyed this. X-Division title match between the champion, Brian Cage, and Ray Phoenix. Um, every time I see Brian Cage in the ring, he's improved in yeah. my eyes. And this match, I thought he looked 
really, really dominant. Looked really good. He got a wonderful combination of power, speed, you know, agility. The man hit six one nine. I've I've got that in my notes. It's just unbelievable. I mean, this is a man who hit an F five as a transitional move. Um, you know, hit a six one nine. He's doing stuff off the top rope. He's hitting superplexes. This man can physically do anything, and he's just built like well, Josh Matthews with Call of the Night. He's like a um, he is God dressed up as a wrestler. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't go that far, Josh, um, if I'm honest. But you're right. He's certainly certainly doing stuff that he shouldn't be able to do at that size. Um, but yeah, a really, really good match. Cage showing off his ridiculous strength, deadlift superplex, which was just incredible. Um, so one way um, he caught him into like a Urinagi. Yes. Just swinging him. Um, can we just point out that Cage hits a tornado DDT as well? Yeah. <laughs> um, he hits um, an insecurity and an angle slam. I mean, this man was just... He was running through people's finishes. Yeah, this one where he sort of... Phoenix went for, like, a suicide dive. Oh, God, yeah. just caught him into a suplex. In a suplex <laughs> position. Sort of crashed him into the barrier, but, yeah. well, it's a very, very difficult spot to pull off. So we will let him off. But, yeah, catches the suicide dive in a suplex position and just lands him on the floor. It it looked so good. Mm-hmm. Um. Phoenix, for his part, sells the absolute shit out of Brian Cage, but gets a lot of offense in, gets code red, um, does a lot of double foot stomps, one off the steps, which looked incredibly painful. Um, and the then. The rolling cutter. The rolling cutter through the ropes on the ramp, which looks amazing. Um, honestly, this match was probably not the best Phoenix match I've seen, but. Definitely, definitely up there, and definitely the best Brian Cage match I've seen. Yeah, definitely one of the best Brian Cage matches I think. Yeah, um, because I mean I have watched a bit of Lucha Underground, um, and he was same sort of. He wasn't as good in uh, Lucha Underground. I think he must have been a lot sort of greener then. Mm. But you could see even then that. He was a bit different to your average sort of powerhouse. Yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely sort of this this one definitely showcased more of his sort of athletic like athletics and his yeah like his ability to move. I mean, some of the kicks and sort of spins and stuff he was pulling off. You you would think that he would somebody his size will be totally out of gas. I mean, five minutes in. Yeah, I have no problem telling people that I have literally no knowledge of Brian Cage before watching Impact. I've I've heard the name. I've never seen him wrestle. He's just a monster in Lucha Underground. Yeah. Well he was under a is he under a mask in no, Lucha he was, Underground? He, I think he was just he just wear like plain black shorts maybe. Oh, but he basically just ran through people. Oh no it's Jeff Cobb who's in Lucha Underground under a yeah. mask, isn't it? Um but yeah, I mean he really, really, really impressed me in this match. Um, he had to pop up net breaker, which looked incredible. Um, eventually, they get onto the top rope. Um, Phoenix attempts to go for Irana, but instead, Brian Cage just hits a you know a leisurely super bomb from the top rope for the pinfall. Well. Yeah, this match went almost seventeen minutes. 
Um, with obviously Brian Cage retaining. Really, really good match. I thought this set the pace for the rest of the night really, really well. Um, Post-match, we then have OVE and um, Sammy Callahan coming in. Obviously, Pentagon was already out there having sort of had Phoenix's back. Um, OVE start to beat down the Lucha Brothers. Brian Cage walks off, makes to go back, turns back, then turns around, puts the belt down, and just destroys the entire of OVE. Just absolutely destroys them. Hits the drill claw to Jake, and then holds up the arms of the Lucha Brothers. Really, really, really good segment. Really yeah. enjoyed it. Possible six-man. I imagine a six-man in the future, but to be fair, can you imagine a more terrifying team of three than <laughs> Brian Cage, Pentagon, and Phoenix? Be brilliant. That would be oh. terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. Um, but yeah, really, really good match. Um, we followed this up with a video package hyping the tag match for later on. Uh, the main event between Austin Aries and Killer Cross and Moose and Eddie Edwards. And then you had people in the crowd shouting at Josh Matthews and um, Cyrus, we want Jericho. <laughs> yes. Yeah, to which they acknowledged the chant, which was hilarious. Yeah. Um, and Josh Matthews sort of went, well, anything can happen. It didn't happen. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, you have uh, uh, what do you call him? He says, well, I'll give him a call. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Don Carlos gets his phone out I mean let's be honest for me it is a matter of time before Jericho turns up there's been too many hints there's been too many call outs from Don Callis, yeah. from Sammy Callahan. you know there's Jericho's Twitter where he says is it time for me to make an impact and stuff yeah. like that it's going to happen and isn't it he's, he's best mates with Don Callis and Scott Demore. Exactly. So, it's going to happen, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, that's going to be incredible as well. That will draw more eyes to the product as well. Um, we then killed the pace entirely with the Global Wrestling Network flashback of the week, which I, I still hate, but it was Drew Galloway's debut, so we'll let him off. Um, did, you, did you watch it? Uh, no. Like, the, no. I watched the end of it. I didn't watch the match itself. I remember seeing it at the time, and it was when I was sort of dipping in and out, and I'd heard that Galloway sort of made his thing, um, debut, so I watched it. And it's when, um, it's, who was it? It was Joe. Kenny King um, and Loki. Yes, and they come down and Loki gets smashed in the head with a metal pipe. I did see that bit. I fast-forwarded it to the end of the match and I saw Drew Galloway, you know, take and his I hood think off. he's legitimately, absolutely pissed. Like, yeah, yeah he wants to kill... <laughs> Drew Galloway. To be fair, though, I mean, you see Samoa Joe and Kenny King attempt to hold Loki back. Loki yeah. is pissing with blood. It, basically, at the end of this match, um, BDC, Joe, which is Samoa Joe, Kenny King, and Loki come into the ring, uh, destroy both Al Snow and Grado. Galloway, who's under a hood, comes in, makes the save with a lead pipe that was left behind. As he swings it, he must he catches. You see him catch Loki completely by accident on yeah. the side of the head. 
and then he sort of takes the hood off and you know it's Galloway massive pop and then it cuts to the ramp where the heels are and Loki looks like he's fucking furious (laughs) pissing with blood from his ear what could be more terrifying than a pissed off Loki I mean I mean Drew Galloway for a start have you seen the size of the man he's stiff as hell as it is I I wouldn't bat Loki in a fight with Drew Galloway but I mean, you've got you can see you can see Kenny King is like legitimately like look fucking calm down. Yeah, even Samoa <laughs> Joe just puts hand on his shoulder and goes like just calm, fucking calm. <laughs> I yeah. thought it was so good. I really did. Entertaining weird. anyway. Um, we then had reference to the fact that we had actual vehicular homicide. <laughs> last week um, but the worst acting I've ever seen oh it was just it was the it was one of the most bizarre segments I'm not going to say worst because WWD have, WWE have peddled out some shite um, but this was just there was no need for it at all um, they make sure that you know everyone knows that the child who has been hit by a car um, is alive and well and will make a full mm. recovery and we cut to the OG's Hernandez, who is understandably upset, they hit a fucking child with a car, um, and King is accusing Homicide Hernandez of being soft, being too like Conan. No, King, you just hit a child with a car. King's reaction, he was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I love King, don't get me wrong. His rationale for vehicular homicide, well, it's obviously not homicide, but you know, just dangerous driving was he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. You were doing like 90 mile an hour. Um, anyway, before we can get into the logistics of what happens, he gets a phone call. Uh, he looks extremely worried, says that he's on his way, tells Hernandez and Homicide not to make a move. Nothing's greenlit and to stay where they are. Fade to black. Ooh, mysterious. Yeah. Um, I quite like this angle, and you I know do. it's it's added on later. Um, and I'm genuinely like sort of very interested to see who this mysterious caller is. Yeah, um, I believe we find out more um, on Thursday, right? Which oh. I am incredibly excited about. Um, I don't know. I mean, for me, again, very limited. Uh, knowledge of impact. I w- always saw Conan as the shot caller. Yeah. So for someone to be above Conan, very very interesting. Are they going to put someone in as an established star who's making the calls, or are Eddie we going to have someone <laughs> Eddie Guerrero, Chavo? Hector. What did you say? Hector. Oh, Hector Guerrero. I thought you said Eddie Guerrero. I was like, hmm. <laughs> well, it is impact, but um, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. Will that, be the, will that be the debut of Jericho? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Go on, what did I miss? You missed the um, Scarlet Bardot. Yeah, there's a reason for that. <laughs> I'm deliberately missing that. I have to mention that. it because it was so fucking shit. Fine, like, Garth. The, we'll the talk bit, about it. The worst part is the fake smoke. <laughs> oh. So... Like, Right, basically what happens is Scarlet Bordeaux arrives with Bobo. Bobo was the guy who interviewed her in her second appearance and now apparently smitten and is now her slave of some description. She arrives and the security guy basically refuses to let them in till Scarlet Bordeaux seduces him because she's woman 
and gets her into and gets her own way into the building. It was it's just the way they do it. It's so the acting it's, is appalling. The storyline is appalling. It's nineties sort of yeah. Nineties sort of I like titanus like. There's no need for it. No, it's, it's so bad. It's. But I have to mention it. <laughs> oh, ah. Anyway, saying that, this is no better. Um, Eli Drake makes his way to the ring. He abuses Trevor Lee and Caleb Conley for losing last week to two men they met in the corridor, which I thought was brilliant. Um, he calls out Mr. Atlantis and Brian uh, Brandon Tidwell, sorry, who were the jobbers that defeated Cult of Lee last week. Um, calls him down says, how do you feel in your hometown? Uh, both men look suitably excited. Um to be in the ring with an ex-Impact World Champion. He says, yep, you've made quite the impact, lol. Um, but, you you know, you need to have a big scalp on your hands to be classed as an Impact Superstar. So he says, one of them is going to have the chance to take him on tonight. He says, who wants it? Mr. Atlantis, who's apparently got one facial expression, um, <laughs> and that is excited, gurning man. Um, he says, I want to take you on. It would be an honour. So, obviously, Eli Drake chooses the other one. Um, he gets squashed in 24 seconds. Um, after which, Eli Drake then lays out Mr. Atlantis with the gravy train as well. And that was it. I know, like, I was waiting for someone to come down or something. Why the but hell was this on a TV special? It's just... Why could this not wait? I'm guessing they had to get Eli Drake on the card. I mean, the issue I have with a match, with a couple of matches later on is that I felt that they were cut short very, very quickly. You've yeah. got the Knockouts title match, which is next, which is done off a roll-up um, after no finishes. And then you've got what had the potential to be an absolute barnstormer between Rich Swan and Petey Williams, which I felt was cut short. Yeah. But that's because we had to make room for um, the Scarlet Bordeaux show, um, then the Smoke show, then <laughs> the Eli Drake squash, which took an unbearable amount of time. Yeah. Um, and totally I will say now, I text you while I was watching this, Garth, um, I don't know who the man was who just repeatedly chanted dummy yeah yeah over and over and over when you go and watch wrestling it's not a chance for you to try and get yourself over if the wrestler is trying to talk let the fucker talk don't try and get everyone to focus on you yeah i understand um, it wasn't the best segment in the world but you are making it 10 times worse because you buy the fucking microphone you're all yeah. i can hear it's I'm I'm convinced it's that same guy from the last time. It's almost he's like he's the... paid to do it, but yeah. that can't be the case. It was it was so irritating, so so irritating. Anyway, now that I've got that off my chest, that what I yeah that was a lot nicer than the text I sent to Garth. <laughs> um, anyway, next we had knockout title match uh, between Ali 
Tessa Blanchard and the champion Sue Young. We had a lovely promo before this from Tessa Blanchard where she explains the pressures that comes uh, that come along with um, having the Blanchard name. Um, she lists off her ridiculously uh, famous lineage um, <laughs> with obviously relations with um, Magnum TA, um, Tully Blanchard. You know her ridiculous wrestlingly uh, wrestling bleh, wrestling famous family. It's quite alarming, really. Um, this match, for me, I have two issues with this match. But I'll let you... What do you think of this match so far? Uh, I mean, I enjoyed it. It was, it was good. I, I, the fact that Tessa Blanchard won and got the belt when she wasn't really in the match for long was a bit of a shame. I mean, she, I think she should have had more of the match. I mean, every time she came in, she got knocked out of the ring for a while. Every time she came back in, she just seemed to get knocked down again. Um, and it, it just seemed to be heavily, heavily weighted in Ali's favour for some reason. There were some good spots. I, I really, really liked the um, the spot with Sue Young where she was on the apron and she got knocked down onto the bride and they sort of pushed her back up. Like, I really enjoyed that, and I thought that was good, but it seemed to be, I don't know, it was wasted on this match. Because it wasn't, again, it, was, it wasn't really a pay-per-view-esque match. It was, I don't know, I mean, like I said, Sue Young had some good spots. The, the bit where she did that sort of, like a foot crawl up the rope, um, that was good, and I just... I, I can't buy into Ali. I just don't buy it. It just seems so false. That's that's my biggest sort of gripe with it all, Ali. <laughs> yeah, it was just, I don't know, Young gets the mandible claw in on both of them. Ali escapes in a decent way hitting the co-breaker. But, I don't know, Tessa Blanchard didn't seem strong enough in this match. I, know, I understand that she's the heel in this match, so she wins in the chicken shit heel method but we're building Tessa Blanchard as this ridiculously strong woman's competitor this knockout you know and I just feel that it was rushed yeah it's as if the refs sort of said need to end it yeah yeah Um, I don't know I mean like I say that there wasn't really much to it as a match. It just seemed a bit... For, for a title match, and which is effectively like a special pay-per-view TV special thing, it just seemed like a regular match again. There was nothing big apart from the like the Sue Young spots. There was a couple of them that was quite nice. Mm-hmm. Um, the double submission was quite good. I quite like that. Um, where sort of was it? Sue Young had um, Ali in like a. She had like Tessa Blanchard in um, like an armbar, whilst yeah, and, Tessa had Ali in a figure four. Yeah, that's it. I thought that was quite good. Yeah. Um, I just think I, I don't know. What, I honestly don't know what it is about Ali that they she's billed as their sort of main woman, and I just I think she's so. Hit and miss. Yeah. 
Um, I'm so glad Tessa's got the belt. <laughs> what I'm concerned is now that Tessa Blanchard will only hold it for a relatively short amount of time until they put it back on Ali. I hope not. And fingers crossed, now that it is on Tessa, good things will happen for the knockouts division. Um, because for me, despite Sue Young's character being fantastic, I really like how they built Sue Young. Her title defense has been, well, her title run's been relatively Terrible. underwhelming. Yeah. Um, especially as in every match, she's just been take, you know, made to take a load of offense before locking in the mandible claw. Um, Tessa Blanchard then gave an interview afterwards just said that she is now the measuring stick for the division, which she absolutely is. Yeah. Um, you know, the right person won. We we shouldn't shit on this too much because as we've said, the right person now has the belt. We'll see what happens from here. I agree with you that the Ali character is flat, but I thought she looked okay in the ring. I just thought there was a couple of quite clunky spots. Yeah. Um, that's, and that's I, think that's big, big, I think it's because uh, it was rushed. Yeah, that's my biggest gripe with Ali, I think. In the ring, um, there's a lot of this forced sort of fire, which I just don't believe for a second. There's a lot of screaming. And, and she does, I mean, she, she pulls off like some moves, like um, like a corner power slam, and she did um, like, a, like a pin and back suplex, and looked really nice. And then simple things, like running... Off the rope and doing a close sign, just just cocking it up. Yeah, <laughs> it's like I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Just, <laughs> just breathe. It's fine. I, I like the next little segment though. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of the next segment, Karma Singh is looking for the Desi Hit Squad. He has a broom <laughs> in his hand, um, and eventually he finds them posing for some manner of photo shoot, and he can you know proceeds to beat the shit into the Desi Hit Squad with a broom, basically for saying, you know, why are you posing? You haven't won anything. You're shit at the moment. You don't deserve a photo shoot. Quite interesting. Nice little bit of carry to work. The Desi Hit Squad are in action next week. For me, they have to win next week. Surely. Um, I believe they're taking on Grado and... Joe Hendry next week, so it will it'll work into the storyline of Grado and Joe Hendry for them to lose anyway. Yeah. Um, we then get Austin Aries and Killer Cross cutting a brilliant promo yeah. um, on the main event. Killer Cross teases that you know a lot of things can happen on the walk to the ring. Ooh, <laughs> ominous. Um, we then cut to LAX, who are talking about the attempted vehicular murder on a child. <laughs> Um, uh, Santana and Ortiz are very, very riled at what happened. Um, Conan then gets a phone call in the same vein as King, says they'll be on his way, says the exact same thing as King. Do not do anything. Nothing is greenlit. Do not go until I call you. And that's that. We, we've got yep. no idea what's happening. We've got no idea who's rang King and Conan. We assume we'll find out next week, which I certainly hope we will. Yeah. Very, very interesting. Yes, and what a what better way to follow this than with the smoke show? <laughs> I'm going to get through this as quickly as possible because Shit. I'm going to say now the only decent thing in this is Grado. Yeah. Because Grado at least has comedy. Joe Hendry's extremely funny, but doesn't get the chance 
to show it in this segment. Um, basically, the entire point of this is for Scarlet to try and seduce Grado and get under Katarina's skin. Kat, um, Grado walks away because apparently he needs to cool down. Joe Hendry goes to make sure he's all right. Katarina says to Scarlet, do not come between her and her boys. To which Scarlet says, in the most wooden dulcet tones, I think I already have. Oh God, it was so embarrassing. It, honestly, like watching it, it's embarrassing. Like it, It's like back in the day when you watch WWE and you would think, I hope nobody comes in my room when I'm watching this. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's what this was like. And I was like, oh, God, I hope. Yeah, I hope the half doesn't walk in when I'm watching this shit. Yeah, it for me, it was it reminds me of Sonny. Yeah, totally. Um, and I know and Sable, Sable as yeah, well. When I think that's what they're going for, really. But anyway, twenty years too late. I know. Let's <laughs> let's just move away from this because I don't want to talk about it anymore. Yeah. Um, we then get um our semi main event, which is an X division match between Rich Swan and P.T. Williams. This really entertained me because Swan got the crowd going straight away. So it was just a really funny match. I love Rich Swan. I loved him when he was in WWE. I thought he was slightly harshly done by uh, when he got released. I'm glad Impact have picked him up. I hope they push him to the moon. I think he can put on fantastic matches. His dancing makes me laugh. And the way they went for the lockup and (laughs) Rich Swan just kept teasing which hand to put up and then eventually got him to do, got Peter Williams to unknowingly do the dance. That was really funny. Um, yeah, it was just a really good natured match. Um, but yeah, what did you think overall? I enjoyed it. Um, Peter Williams has always been one that's, it's like, he's like the sort of, I don't know, like the Dolph Ziggler of impact. The sort of calling him when they need someone to put on a good match. Like just, Tied us over, sort of thing. Yeah, he just and obviously Rich Swan's there, the building him back up. Yeah, <clears throat> since he's come back, so yeah, it was just a, just a good match. Um, it just ended so quickly. That's the problem. It did. Like like we mentioned earlier, like the the abruptness of the women's match. I even wrote it down when I was doing it. I put this seemed oddly sort of out of nowhere. The the ending. I think when. We got to, I mean, if you're watching it on the Global Wrestling Network, the show is 1 hour 31. And when we got to, I think it was 1 hour 10, and we still had two advertised matches to do, and we'd had, you know, two matches in that hour and 10 minutes, Impact seems to have a real problem at the moment with layering all these backstage segments in the middle, then thinking, oh, bollocks, we've still got to fit those two matches at the end, and then those two matches suffer. Yeah, I think if they'd have cut out the ridiculous amount of adverts for their Mexico tapings, uh, which I believe there were four of, there were four yeah. adverts for the Mexico tapings and three adverts for MediaCon this weekend um, in the UK, which, that's excessive. That's very, very excessive. Especially in an hour and a half. In an hour and a half, you do not need that many adverts. I'm sorry, it's just not necessary. I understand that it's the first time it's going to happen in Mexico. And I understand, obviously, you've got Pentagon, you've got Ray Phoenix, but you do not need that many. That's no. that's ridiculous. Um, anyway, we talked about this match. Um, Swan doesn't finish it with a Phoenix Splash, which 
is slightly odd. He instead um, hits a running shooting star press yeah. for the finish, which... <laughs> <clears throat> um, I can't remember the last time I saw a running shooting star press finish a match, to be perfectly honest. I don't know whether it's because I'm just used to seeing it in New Japan where it's used as literally a transitional move. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, again, right person won. I think Rich One needed to win this over a veteran. Um, you know, we talked in interviews before about how Pete Williams was, you know, a pioneer of the X Division, which he absolutely is. He gets backstage and says that hopefully this victory will catapult him to the X Division title. He's interrupted by Matt Seidel, who says he can guide him, you know, into being X Division champion and opening his third eye. Um, Swan doesn't need to know. I don't need your help, mate. This interview's cut short, though, because um, Alicia Edwards, who's got the most piercingly shrieky voice, um, is screaming because Moose has been laid out backstage. Yeah, and if you look at the position where Moose is laid out, like, Matt Seidel's third eye mustn't be working because how <laughs> did he not see that? He's that third eye testing. It's just, it was like in front of him. <laughs> yeah, it was literally in front of him. Um, very, very poor eyesight, ironically, from Matt Seidel. Um, and then on the floor next to him is Killer Cross's calling card, the red card with the uh, black cross on it which leads us to our main event which was the tag team match between the impact world champion austin aries and his insurance policy killer cross and the team of moose and eddie edwards where it is just eddie edwards because as we've mentioned already moose was out cold um i liked the dynamic in this match mm, i yeah, think that eddie's craziness sort of suits the the two-on-one underdog status, if that makes sense. Um, I really like Killer Cross. Yeah. I like him probably more than I should do. Um, I don't I, know whether I, it's because of his his promo skills or because he's just he's just a bastard. It's just, he's got that really sort of um, dulcet, slow, deliberate tone, and you just think, if he snaps... He's going to be absolutely crazy. Yeah. yeah. I think that's what it is. Um, yeah, I think that's exactly what it is. Um, Eddie spends a lot of this match on top, um, especially when Ares and Killer Cross become a little bit complacent with how they're going to win in this match. Um, yeah. Eddie, for his part, hits a backpack stunner, which looks really cool. Um there's a neck breaker which looks amazing, a blue thunder bomb, but Cross makes the save. Um There's a really good um like sort of overhead sort of release slam by Killer Cross on Edwards out of the ring. Yes, he goes miles. It's unbelievable. Um Eddie Edwards hits a brain buster on Ares, which looks amazing. <laughs> um and then Eddie hits a suicide dive. The suicide dive looked extremely painful because it looks like Edwards misses Ares and just hits full on <laughs> yeah. the um, guardrail. And I was like, holy shit, that must have hurt. But he must have been fine. Must have been fine. Um, finally, we get Moose with the comical head bandage on, making his way to the ring. He's fine. He cries out for the tag from Eddie Edwards, who does tag him in. Moose comes in. And spears Eddie Edwards for the heel I, turn. I popped big for that. Um, I didn't see it coming. I'll be honest. Nah, 
it was a holy shit. I was like, holy shit. Um, Aries dumps the ref out and Moose beats Eddie down, so it's a no contest. Um, I really enjoyed that end. It's such a surprising turn. It's a good ending, and I feel the Moose character needed something after his loss to Austin Aries. They are going to have to... They're going to have to come up with a very, very good reason for Moose having aligned with a man who's just given him a concussion. Yeah. Unless it's because he's concussed. <laughs> I really hope that's not the reason, because that sounds <laughs> shit. But um, after the match, um, all three of them continue to beat down Eddie. Uh, they put a chair around his head, and Moose slaps the chair with another chair, lays him out. Alicia arrives to check on Eddie, slaps the shit out of Moose, to which Moose threatens her. Don't know if that's okay. Don't know if that's okay. He (laughs) threatens her with the fist, but then just does the Moose, which I thought was quite (laughs) cool. I quite liked that. The crowd went mental as well. They did, and we fade to black, and that was Impact. We should have. And when I was watching it, when he did the turn, I thought, he's wearing different ring gear. So I should have known. Because he, he normally wears red. Yeah. And he was wearing black trunks. <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is that what you thought? Oh, should have seen the signal. Yeah, should have seen it. <laughs> um, I don't know. There's got to be more to this heel turn for me to be like properly invested in it. It was a complete shock. I didn't anticipate Moose turning at all. But, I don't know, I need to see more. I need to have a legitimate reason for Moose to have turned. For me, anyway. Um, Overall, though, a a decent enough show. There's just a couple of issues for me. Um, Once again, you know, this was billed as a TV special with all these great matches, and I just felt like the backstage skits and the sheer volume of adverts really took away from the pacing of the show. When you start with a match that was so good between Brian Cage and Phoenix, that was a really, really good match. Rich Swan and Petey Williams, that was a really good match, but I felt that suffered because we had to embed so much fucking time into the Scarlet Bordeaux shit <laughs> and that overly elongated Eli Drake section. Yeah. Um, the main event was obviously a big pop because no one saw it coming. As I've already said, I need to have more behind it to get properly invested in Moose's heel turn. And hopefully next week we will get a resolution as to who has called King and Conan. Um, The chances of it being Hector Guerrero, very slim. Very slim. Um, Even less so than for Eddie Guerrero. Yes, yeah. (laughs) You cut out as it said Guerrero, so it's like he's never just said Eddie Guerrero. And then I was like, Chavo? No. Um, it could be Ray. Ray, Ray. It could be. Could be. Oh, would you see Ray Mysterio as a leader? No, at all. No. No. I, I'm, trying, I'm trying to think who it could possibly be, like Latino. Yeah, I, unless I, they I, do completely like go the other way. And it's just it's someone we don't Jeff, know. Jeff Jarrett. Oh, jeez, if it's <laughs> Jeff fucking Jarrett. Oh, God. Oh, God. Maybe it's Trevor Murdoch. He's making a comeback. <laughs> um, <Until> Chris. <laughs> and with that, I think we will call time 
on this podcast. <laughs> um, thank you so much for listening, guys. Please look out for our all-in review. It will be up hopefully on either Saturday or Sunday this week. We need to give myself and Garth enough time to finish watching it. Um, in the meantime, please go to iTunes, download, subscribe to the podcast, listen to all our podcasts there. You can also look at us on CastBox as well. Follow us on Twitter at, at Podmania, Facebook at Podmania Podcasts. In the meantime, if you want to talk to me, you can find me at, at Real Rob Goodwin on Twitter. Where can they find you, Garth? At Jackson. Fantastic. And in until then, we'll talk to you guys again soon. See you guys.